Y'all, I have pigeons. Oh. Whoa. Oh, you hate to hear it. Yeah, see a doctor. I don't, I don't know what to do. There's pigeons on my... It's the middle of winter. It is freezing outside. Pigeons do not care. They have found my balcony, and they love it. A <laughs> New York love story. <laughs> uh, I've purchased fake snakes. I've purchased weird reflective tape. I've uh, right. seemingly You've stalled tried- enough. It's time to deal with the <laughs> pigeon problem, Russ. I don't know what to do. Here's, an, here's, here's a knife and a blindfold <laughs> that rests up to you. I, I you, tried some very safe, sticky stuff that apparently they don't like. They don't get stuck to it, but they don't like it on their feet. Tried that, and now they jump in it, and then they jump all around my balcony, and now my balcony's covered in it. Have you tried doing any of your characters? That's pretty repulsive. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Brenda Fricker. I don't have anything for you, but you just got to make your peace with the birds. <laughs> My name is Justin McElroy, and I know the best game of 1998. My name is Griffin McElroy, and I know the best game of the week. My name is Christopher Plant, and the cake is alive! My name is Russ Farshick, and I am Gabe Newell. (laughs) Go back to the besties, a weekly game of the year book club that goes all year long we are talking about the latest and greatest in uh digital entertainment uh here on the the besties and this week we're going to be taking out our little jeweler's glass and holding it's called it up and a loop actually jeweler's loop thank you russ mm-hmm. that's hey that's two episodes of straight pedantry for you <laughs> so that's a wonderful the one a wonderful streak that's um, my dream we're gonna be talking about half life no sorry black mesa Mm. Zen X E N. A Half Life Adventure, I think is the full title. Black Mesa Collins in A Half Life Adventure. A Gordon Freeman joint. A Gordon uh, Freeman joint made by Justin, Best Friends. Can you turn on the time machine? Because we're going to have to go back in, in time for us. Okay. Thank make you. That noise uh, welcome. <laughs> now uh, we're back noise. to the year 2004. Um, <laughs> people are buying Seinfeld DVDs like they are hotcakes. Valve has just released a little game called Half Life 2 to help them. I don't know. Get people to download Steam, their new digital storefront. People don't know if it's going to work. People are mad about it. People, oh Steam, you're going to make us download a thing to play a video game? Whew, that'll never happen again. They also, during this period, release updates of some of their classic games, including the original Half-Life, this time on the new Source Engine, uh, the new edition of it. And people are like, oh, I can't wait. Half-Life 1, it's back, better than ever before. And then they start to play it, and they're like, oh, yeah, this is just okay. I thought this was going to be a real fancy remake, and it's mostly just fine. So uh, video game fans do what they love to do most, get pretty angry online, and then decide to take it under their own hands. Um, And a bunch of people decide that they're going to remake Half-Life 1 in the Source Engine on their own. 
so many people that there are actually different groups trying to do it. And some of them merge together to create what is called the Black Mesa Project. Now we are in the year 2005. Uh, only 14 more long years episode. to go. <laughs> <laughs> so the, these projects merge, and I mean, it, it's getting a lot of love on mod forums, but like a lot of people think this is kind of a doomed prospect, mostly because they don't own Half-Life, even though this is a mod, yada, yada, yada. By like 2009, 2010, Wired uh, is listing it on their vaporware of the year, right alongside that sweet baby Duke Nukem Forever. What happens with all these fan projects is like new versions of Source comes out or game design trends change and different leadership comes into the projects and they keep changing the scope of this remake of Half-Life 1. It's a fan-made project. It's, it's not a like project. nobody's getting rich. It's impossible to make a video. Like the fact that any video games get made ever is a miracle, let alone like a company designed from the ground up to create video games in which all people creating them are offered fair compensation and working wages. And that's not true of a fan made project most of the time. And days. yet and yet the the year two thousand twelve comes along eight years uh later and it gets released um as a mod for for Half-Life 1 on Source. Um, I thought it was a Half-Life 2 mod. Well, it's, uh, sorry, it, it, but yes, of Half-Life. Yes. It, uh, y- y- yeah. Done in the Half-Life yeah, 2 it, like, engine. You, you can play Half-Life... No, yeah. Half-Life 1 Source is the official remake, and then this is a right. mod that allows for a better version of Half-Life 1 on Source. It's standalone in Steam now. You, that, to, to so the point ahead. is, yes, on in, in 2015, three years later, they got the blessing of Valve, which, again, a thing that never happens, to actually sell this on Steam in early access. But why are we talking about it now? That was four years ago. And the answer is, it was incomplete because they didn't make what are called the Zen chapters. They've been releasing the Zen chapters in chunks ever since. This episode of The Best of These is sponsored by Aura Frames. All right, so you know there are a number of people in your life that are not necessarily the most technologically savvy. I'm sure immediately names jump to your mind. Those are the sorts of people that you would say, oh, maybe they would want a digital picture room in their house, but they wouldn't necessarily be able to like set it up and get it working and add new pictures and stuff like that. That is where Aura Frames comes in. It's a digital picture frame that allows you to basically upload any photos that you have directly to the frame. You don't need them to do any work. In fact, you could even set it all up before they even open the box. You have the account set up, you just have to connect it to their Wi-Fi, and once that's done, everything happens over the internet. So you can add new photos, you can do whatever you want, and it all works completely smoothly. I set it up for my grandmother, who's 95 years old, I set it up for my mom, who's 70 years old, and they both love their Aura frames, and they love seeing the pictures and new photos of the family all being added without them having to do anything. So I'd highly recommend it, I'm really, really happy with it. And right now, you can save on the perfect gift that keeps on giving by visiting AuraFrames.com. For a limited time, listeners can get $20 off their best-selling frame with code BESTIES. That's A-U-R-A frames.com, promo code BESTIES. Terms and conditions apply. 
why did it take so long to make the Zen chapters? I'm going to throw to my good pal, Russ Frushtick, to explain what the Zen chapters are. Okay, real quick. So Half-Life came out, I want to say 96, 97, the original Half-Life. And 98, it, I think. 98, thank you. And it was universally beloved. Like, people absolutely loved it. I realize if you go back now, it doesn't seem that amazing. But when it came out, it was felt like this sea change where most shooters were just, like, ridiculous you know, Doom games where you're fighting giant demons and stuff like that. But this was set in a real realistic grounded world and the graphics were really ahead of their time. And it was really amazing. Um, so until. You, until. Well, you go through this whole game and you're fighting in Black Mesa, which is a big science facility as referenced in the Portal song. Um, and then you get <laughs> to the end and you jump into a portal, throwback, and you land in a place called Zen, which is effectively an alien planet on the other side of the galaxy filled with all the monsters that you know and love from Half-Life, such as the head crab and those like cute little dog things that send sonar attacks at you and various And lots of platforming. Just and lots of platforming. Of platforming. And that was <laughs> just what you wanted. Right. So that was kind of the issue is like all of Half-Life feels very ahead of its time. And then the game ends in like a very... I wouldn't say traditional, but certainly not as engaging sequence where you're jumping on jump pads and flying through the air. And it just ran counter to the spirit of the original game. It is acknowledged by the creators like it's acknowledged by Gabe Newell and folks that like this this part of the game was rushed. They didn't have the time or budget to sort of do the proper like sort of pre-production on it. And it is widely acknowledged, even by the people that made the game, that it is the weakest part of the, of yeah. the game. It should have just not been it. It, it should have just ended. It look, if you go back and look at the video of it, it looks terrible. It's not even <laughs> that it, it, the graphics were bad. It was just like No, just like completely fun. unenjoyable. Yeah, like, not fun. Watching the footage, you expect the the guy to be picking up like containers of crest because you bought you got this on a free CD-ROM. I can understand why like this was not the priority then when yeah. the Black Mesa project was like trying to get something out there standalone. I mean, it kind of works as a game development, I I guess test. They didn't have to do a ton with I guess the core design of uh, the Black Mesa era, like space right they it's make it look a lot nicer make it feel nicer but the actual stuff that you do in it you don't need to change that too much people people love it they don't want big changes with zen i mean you you can go wild nobody's married to the original design of of those chapters so i think for that it was i i imagine more freeing for the people who had been working on this project and you can see it the second you start the zen chapters it is gorgeous. I mean, it's beautiful. <laughs> considering it's fan made, I would say it has a certain Avatar meets Blacklight Head Shop aesthetic mm. that is. It's like a Yes album cover. Yeah, it's tasty. <laughs> yeah, it looks like the entire thing could have been painted on a van. <laughs> yeah, and and um, I I actually kind of dug the platforming stuff the shift because there is something really thrilling about playing through this game you're getting more and more powerful things are just getting absolutely chaotic on earth and then you get zapped to this alien world and it's almost like the beginning of the game all over again where there's not a lot of combat for the first kind of half hour or hour even of this i mean you're, you're shooting a few things but a lot of it is just kind of navigating this weirdly serene alien landscape and then it kind of builds all over again i'm not sure we made it completely clear that like this is not a remake of the zen chapters of half-life this is like 
taking some of the ideas and concepts and aesthetics of that and like completely making it's like something a reimagining new. basically of yeah. how they could have done them if they weren't dog shit the first time. And that was that was true of the you know the first chunk the Black Mesa levels to a lesser extent, but like Plant said like there was a lot to fix here. Yeah. There was a lot to reimagine here. And so I forget where I read this, but it's like four times as long as the Zen chapters it is were. It really long. I was not expecting how long this game would be. I was like, there's a boss fight about halfway through the Zen chapters. I was like, oh, okay, we're getting to the end here. And nope, there's, nope, there's a still lot goes. <laughs> I thought it was really, really interesting. I found myself missing the more narrative aspects of Mm. half-life um i think that like it is all very the things that you're doing from a mechanics perspective are very clear but like you especially if you're hopping in without like playing half-life recently it's all sort of very disconnected from the narrative and i was kind of missing that as much as i dug the sort of like the aesthetics and and some of the mechanics and stuff i felt like i was i was kind of missing a sort of connective tissue that that wanted me to keep yeah I, I i definitely feel that there were moments where like they'll let you like look out at an alien vista and there's like a bunch of aliens flying through the sky and you're like oh wow this is cool but you don't have the like hey here's the doctor eli or whatever his name was that uh would you know show up and be like hey you need to it just needs to be more grounded um which is ironic for something that has so much jumping in it uh, I do want to talk about the jumping real quick. Justin, when you watch the original, I don't know this, but when you watch the original, was, were there just like jump pads or was this double jump mechanic that's in this remake? The double jump du- yeah. was a long jump. In the original Half-Life, you do a long jump by sprinting, right. crouching right before your jump and then jumping. Oy. Like Mario. Yeah, yeah it, it's it's <laughs> wild. And it is wild that that was the mechanic yeah. that you were using to navigate this world. In Zen, it's a sprint, basically a double jump. But instead of, like, increasing your height, yeah. you're increasing your, like, it's like a, a jetpack boost, kind of. You're just, like, thrusting, th- hurling yourself with a pretty thrilling amount of speed uh, across the level. And that's what's so wild about this. And, like, my main takeaway from from this this Zen update is that, like, that was some of my favorite stuff in it and not the actual shooting running around shooting the same aliens like over and over again in this alien world this is not like my genre like this is not where my my wheelhouse necessarily uh i did not play half-life one until much much uh later after it came out i think i played it after i played like the orange box and so like i don't have much affinity for it but the sequences in this where you're like running away from things that are going to Myrtleize you and like blasting down like a sheer rock cliff like that stuff was is that stuff was like actually super exciting yeah I, I liked it a lot I, I think that design choice where they changed exactly the way that you navigate through the world was really like made this for me I will say on the on the sort of negative side one of the things that doesn't get a ton of attention is the fact that Half-Life 2 is like effectively a puzzle game in a lot of places where you're playing with physics and stuff like that and they integrated some of that stuff into the Black Mesa levels of this release. And they try to do it on Zen as well. And generally the puzzles, in my opinion, feel a little bit flat. A lot of them have to do with just like lugging cables around, which is not a super fun thing to do. There's one clever puzzle where you're like using a force field in an interesting way. But by and large, they seem, I don't know, a little weak. And 
it does sort of leave you with the combat, which, again, feels very retro and not that thrilling. The thing I would say about the combat that is, again, this is somebody who's, like, jumping into this from not having played Half-Life. By the way, that we should mention how you, I guess you can just Google it if you want to. There's, like, a level skip cheat you can. I'll put it in a tweet uh, for people to understand how they can skip to the Zen chapters if they want. You have so many weapons when you start this, and I don't feel, and obviously, like, you're not walked through, like, the best weapons to use or, or whatever. You're not walked through these individually because you're, you're theoretically at the end of the game. But I don't feel like there was a great reason to use one weapon over another a lot of the time. It's just sort of, like, whatever you sort of felt like. The enemies don't have... Um, ammo so you're kind of at the discretion of whatever is sort of lying around but like i i wouldn't say that the, the certain enemies uh a lot of times certain enemies didn't necessarily um you know reward using one weapon over another it's just sort of uh left open yeah i thought. think that part was just very much tied to the old design one other huge thing oftentimes uh kind of design stars can come out of these projects or entire studios can come out of these sorts of projects. One that I hope becomes a bigger star in the games industry is Joel Nielsen, who did the score for this game, which is exceptional. It's so good. It sounds like something coming out of uh, AAA studios uh, and, and not the sort of thing you expect from a project of this scale. And here is the great news, everybody. You can listen to it on Spotify right now for free uh and you're literally already on spotify so it works out nicely they didn't make us say that we just thought you're already on spotify it would just be the easiest i'm gonna i'm gonna put it on my uh my workout (laughs) mixtape and just like just because in the game like you'll be in a big serious alien fight and have these sort of chill vibes going on in the background i want that while i try to run so fast that uh i get the sweat going that workout sweat i do want to say one more unpopular thing that has nothing to do with Half-Life Zen except uh, it's not Half-Life Zen's fault I should say uh, the enemies in Half-Life are garbage um, <laughs> head, head crabs extremely annoying Ugh. to fight not satisfying I to attack I still get chills Ten, uh, every Russ t- may I? well let me Russ, talk about the head I? crabs before you do the full list real quick I get chills every single time they attack me in the face. Every time. For the last 20 years, I've been getting chills because it freaks my shit out so bad. They're annoying. They're so annoying. Ugh. The tentacles look like part of the environment until you just randomly get damaged from somewhere. It's like, okay, I guess I'll turn around and shoot you if you if I must. And barnacles that suck you up from the actually fuck off. That's so annoying. <laughs> All the enemies in Half-Life are, are straight dookie. But they're now um, water the zo- ones that come the up. Zombies the zombies are okay. The zombies are fine. Why do you think the zombies are okay? Because they're just slow, and it's funny to shoot the crabs off their heads. <laughs> um, that's funny. Ew. But like, I like the zombies because they put the crabs in one place. Oh, yeah. Just stay there so I can shoot you, you dumbass crabs. Uh, there's a moment an hour in where you go down a giant uh, elevator that is the type of elevator in the Streets of Rage series where it's like, I don't know why people need this 100-foot-wide elevator, but sure. <laughs> and out of nowhere, it just starts raining head crabs on you, and it's so deeply <laughs> setting i wish you could just skip that part of the game entirely yeah i don't know if this was in the original but was like was there a mommy head crab in the original zen levels i don't think so because there is now and it just farts out about ten thousand head crabs at one point and it's just the worst well these are bad shall we throw Um, you an ad (laughs) yeah let's let's do an ad 
Y'all, you already know how much I love our sponsor of the week, Rocket Money. They make it so easy to get your personal finances on track and especially stop worrying about all these subscriptions that you have that you don't necessarily need. Keep the ones you want, get rid of the rest. Here's how it works. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. That might sound too good to be true. I have tried it myself on multiple different monthly payments I have, and it's worked, which is incredible and so much easier than getting on the phone with all these companies and trying to wrangle this yourself. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in canceled subscriptions. So cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash besties. That's rocketmoney.com slash besties rocketmoney.com slash besties black mesa as as christopher thomas plant mentioned was vaporware for some time which i still don't think is fair for a family project but whatever what are some of your guys favorite vaporware projects actually really quick justin can you explain what vaporware is for people who might not know sure it's a game that is announced or i mean software of any sort is announced and just doesn't come out <laughs> and <laughs> sometimes vaporware is a permanent state and sometimes it is vaporware for a very long time and then is released and is no longer vaporware but that is that is my that's my summation is that fair fair to say yeah, yeah i think so it's always in sort of like a it's it's very very classically sort of in like a a very ephemeral stage of development it's still in development like not canceled but just sort of shambling along uh, and in, in a sort of undead state. Usually Peter Molyneux is involved in some way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Drag him. He's just trying to live a quiet life in the countryside. <laughs> I'll start because uh, mine's mine's pretty weird. Uh, Deep Down is my favorite one, which was the Capcom sort of dungeon RPG. I think the way of talking about it sort of back when it was first sort of a a thing that people were talking about it was like a monster hunter dark souls hybrid which in i want to say like 2013 is when like critical buzz like hit for this that was hot shit like that was the the genre that everybody was sort of on everybody's lips uh it was a if if memory serves it was like a a centerpiece for like playstation 4 the the raw graphical power of it wasn't it like part of the like announced when playstation 4 before it got released like i feel like deep down was sort of one of the titles that was being bandied about as like a powerhouse it was it was introduced at the 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 same meeting where the playstation 4 was debuted i mean the the two were debuted at the same time yeah so it was going to be like a co-op sort of very dark dungeon crawler that yoshinori ono was going to be a, a i think a director or producer on he's the the street fighter producer for i think that's the best way of summarizing and i played it i went to tgs in the, the tokyo game show in 2013 and got plunked down in front of a playstation and played it it was at a state where it was playable it sucked and i didn't <laughs> like it at all but i don't think that was a reflection 
reflection of like the game being still in its infancy. I thought it was just sort of like a bad, boring game design. It was like playing a bad version of Dragon's Dogma, mm-hmm. which is already not like the best game. But it kept being a thing that people were talking about. There was a public beta that came out in Japan when the PS4 got released. So like lots of people could play it. And then nothing for a very, very, very long time. Five years in, uh, Capcom registered or extended the trademark for the game. And then I guess two months ago now, uh, Yoshinori Ono was talking to Eurogamer and said that it's uh, that they the game has, quote, not been completely given up on. That's, That's classic a, vaporware, baby. <laughs> That's a juicy vaporware quote. Yeah, it's just weird to me because it seemed so... It seemed like it had manifest in such a like actually tangible way, and then it just never, they never quite finished it. I have two that are sort of tied, uh, because every once in a while I'll go through my inbox and see how things are going. Uh, the first is Space Venture, which is created by two guys from Andromeda. That is the, is the, from the team that made the Space Quest games. We saw something similar to this with Hero U which was Lori Ann and Corey Cole uh, from uh, Quest for Glory. We made an updated version of that. Space Venture is an updated version of Space Quest. I kickstarted this project in 2012, and I now have seven years of emails and updates <laughs> in my... Uh, yeah, the last one that I got, just to catch everyone up, was June of 2019, they had the box, the completed box. All uh, right. That's yeah, half, the that's box art was it, done. And they had printed a bunch of boxes for it. And it's now been six months, over six months, since I've heard anything from them. The other one that I wanted to mention was is just called Barkley 2. Mm. It is the sequel to... <laughs> Tale of Games Studios presents Chef Boyardee's Barkley Shut Up and Jam Guide In Chapter One of the Hoops Barkley Saga, <laughs> uh, which was an amazing RPG starring Charles Barkley that is fantastic. I kickstarted that one in, let me see here. That would have been, it's still not out. So obviously, this I one's kicks- a bit of a sad one. This one is sad. Yeah. That is also one- 2012. Yeah, and the project has kind of fallen apart, and the team has drifted apart in a way that it is. Yeah, it's a bummer. It seems to be some 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 rough feelings there, maybe on in the whole thing, and the people that are would still be sort of on the hook for delivering it, maybe aren't the same people that made the first one, and maybe don't exactly know where to go with it. Uh, and it seems like the money is not there anymore, and it's just sort of shambling along it bums me out but but it's one of those things where like i am positive it bums out the people making it much much more but yeah those are my two uh i'll take it in the full opposite direction and talk about a giant studio making a giant promise in july 2007 at e3 sony and rockstar game is partnered on a playstation 3 exclusive called agent it was going to be a single-player campaign set in the 1970s Cold War, and there'd be political assassinations, and I don't know. It just looked like, well, it didn't look like anything. Yeah, the what promise, was it? Yeah, the, the promise sounded cool. Uh, you know, you could picture, like, it sounded like, uh, I mean, this is one of those games I feel like I've heard so many rumors of that who knows what is true anymore, but it sounded like, oh, yeah, it's going to be kind of, you know, Soviet espionage, but then, like, 
also Moonraker type of space 1970s spy but stuff. But what's and the game? Though? This was always my thing with Agent. Like, what's the ge- what does it do when what? I press the X button? Like, what's the game? My, my favorite thing about Agent now is the rumors of, like, what happened to it. Because supposedly they made a ton of the game. And Rockstar was just like... Oh, well, we designed these underwater levels, and now all of the underwater stuff in Grand Theft Auto V is the remnants of Agent. It's like, I don't know if that's true at all, but it sounds cool. Yeah. Uh, Russ, do it, baby. Oh, Plunge boy. the sword down into the beast's eye. Arguably the most, currently the most famous piece of vaporware, uh, a little game called Beyond Good and Evil 2 from Ubisoft. <laughs> Uh, famed Michelle Ancel, director of Beyond Good and Evil 2. Okay, so Beyond Good mm-hmm. and Evil was a game that came out in 20, uh, 2003. Um, it was well-regarded. It was uh, sort of a game where you've had a pig friend and you shot photographs of people. And It was an action-adventure game. It was like yeah. a, sort of Zelda, but also you were a journalist. You yeah, couldn't invert sort of the y-axis. A, cool. Among other things, yes. <laughs> the sequel, which has actually turned out to be a prequel, uh, has been rumored for many, many years. The first rumors started coming around to 2007 that they were working on a sequel. And throughout this time, over the course of seven or eight years, trailers would actually leak out of the development studio showing early footage of the game. And people would get very excited. Um, a a uh, trailer leaked around May of 2009, and people got very jazzed because you saw the lead character of the first game uh, running around in a crowded street. And everyone's like, oh my God, this is going to be amazing. And then nothing kept happening for many, many years until until the game was officially announced at mm. uh, Ubisoft's E3 2017 press conference with a definitely not a gameplay trailer of um, basically, uh, you know, the pig guy was there. They're flying through space. All the great friends. All, the, all your best friends from Beyond Good and Evil 2 are there. What is the game? I don't know. Uh, what is the progress of the game? I don't know because it's basically hasn't really been seen extensively. Um, that's 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 okay. It's fun to dunk on Beyond Good and Evil 2, but that's a little bit unfair. Well, like what, we what is the game? It, well, there were presentations at the E3 where like they sort of revealed the new so scope that was and scale later. Of it, like a, yes. Of it. Then we okay. later got to see those presentations where they're right. like, you can fly. <laughs> it was, so, it was sort of a, planet. it was sort of a no man's sky situation where mm-hmm. it's like an infinite universe and the planets are like to scale and you can just fly down and there's no loading and making all of these wild promises. Uh, Wasn't and, there also an aspect of like, we're going to have fans make assets, assets for us. Yeah. That was maybe. like a Ubisoft thing. Kind of like a hit record Joe situation. Yes. That was, I think that was the uh, like thing that they cited. Like yes. that, the, uh, Joseph Gordon Levitt's. Yeah. So if effectively they've announced or quote announced how the game is going to work. But again, that was, I want to say two years ago was the last time we heard, uh, if not longer. And we've seen some uh, gameplay videos here and there, but yeah it's still not really a game as it were and it is also kind of funny and bizarre because the original game tanked like a lead balloon like really did not sell well at all commercially yeah um so it is funny that there's this project that is like taking forever and is massively expensive and there's really no guarantee that this one's gonna soar because the first one didn't look michelle ansel makes very good video games the rayman games recently like the reboot of rayman have been excellent but like between this and do you do you all remember wild 
which I think got announced in like twenty does ring a bell fourteen yeah yeah uh, and it was like yeah. it's supposed to be this big uh, sort of I want to say like Celtic inspired op- uh, like open world thing. I, it's hard for me to remember details because it's been five years and Michelle Ansel was also in charge of that project. So it's like, what's going on over there? Yeah. <laughs> I do love his his like uh, roster games like Raymond, boom, Raymond 2, Raymond M. And they're like, okay, now you've earned it. Go make something big. Beyond Good and Evil. Whoa, 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 whoa. Uh, we need you to make something that's guaranteed money. And they're like, I don't know, Peter Jackson's King Kong? And he makes the most abstract shooter this side of Far Cry 2. And like, no, no, no. Get back to Raymond. That game's good. That game's he- fucking great. That was a huge uh, creative victory. Anyway, Beyond Good and Evil is never going to come out. I <laughs> We asked some of you for your memories about Half-Life. Uh, ben uh, didn't play it until 2012 and was shocked at how well it held up. The level design still felt super sharp and interesting. Environmental storytelling was still powerful. Uh, it's immensely playable. He says so many of the games of that era are near impossible to play now for one reason or another. Playing Goldeneye now is like watch- using those goggles that simulate drunkenness. But <laughs> Half-Life was almost seamlessly easy to just pick up and dive in. Maybe it's the tree of game design evolved from Half-Life as a main branch. Mm. Yeah, I think that's I mean, true. It, it, certainly Half-Life, Half-Life 2 is an inspiration for like the, the shooters that we play today. I imagine Half-Life 1. Again, it, like that was not my genre back in the late 90s, but left an this impact. Is- this is cool from Jeremy. The Half-Life series uh, was such important games for me creatively. I didn't want to stop playing with the hammer level editor. I didn't have to. I spent so much time making dumb little levels for just me and my friends to share and play. To expand the scope of my levels, I would go on to learn how to make new textures, sound files, 3D models, huh. and do basic programming. This skill set helped me find an amazing creative outlet later in life, making simple little games for just me and my friends to share and play, and maybe more someday. And that guy is oh. now Reggie fils Michelle and Sal. This is uh, from Fog Enthusiast, who describes, uh, they describe themselves on Twitter as a disappointed Jets fan, which is relatable. The beginning on the super long railway is one of the best intros of all time, which I don't know if y'all just skipped to the Zen chapters or played the beginning, but it is a trip to uh, sit on a trolley for 10 Maybe more minutes uh, with multiple loading breaks throughout all of it. It, I mean, it it is, it is impressive. It sets a tone. Yeah. Well, and but, it set a tone that no one had set before in a shooter, yeah. which was we're gonna like slowly introduce you to this world. We're not gonna have you jump through a teleporter and suddenly be face to face with a pinky demon. Like it legit is like a slow experiential thing that I remember replaying like multiple times when it first came out. Yo, play anything else? Yeah, actually. I know uh, Griffin mentioned Witcher recently, but uh, I've been playing really for the first time Witcher 3, specifically on the Switch. Um, I've tried to get into Witcher previously. I know a lot of us here have bounced off of the Witcher. Part of the impetus was that it came out on Switch, and the Switch version is actually really good. Um, If you play it on handheld mode, it like looks perfectly fine. It's not as gorgeous as the other platforms, but really looks all right, and this frame rate's very stable. But the other reason I was like super jazzed to play it is because I've gotten very much into the TV show The Witcher, which is now on Netflix. And it like is a really good fantasy TV show that is funny and uh, well done and gorgeously shot and well acted. And it made me like really engage with the world in ways that I hadn't been previously. And so now when things happen in The Witcher game, 
that I've witnessed in the Witcher TV show, I'm like, oh, wow, ja-, I'm like super jazzed. And there's a ton of those. Like they constantly are referencing the major events from the show, which is sort of like the origin story of the series in Witcher 3, which takes place many years after the show's events. So yeah, I, I think it's been terrific. I highly recommend both. I finished Shadowbringers. I know I talk about it every episode. <laughs> I thought this was I'm, an MMO. I didn't even know you could finish it. Well, that's that's kind of what I want to talk about. And I think it's a thing that I didn't really appreciate about uh, 14 until I started to uh, actually invest some time in it, is that Final Fantasy 14 essentially has, at this point, four single-player Final Fantasy games inside of it. Uh, because really you only need the one character. You can switch jobs at any time, so it's not like I'm constantly re-rolling and starting over and doing all the shit that I used it's to like do in Warcraft. It's like the gig economy. It's, no, it's not. Um, <laughs> and so, so like the, the main hook of the game is like playing through these, uh, these, these story quests and playing through like a Final Fantasy story, and Shadowbringers is the most recent one, and it's kind of why I got back into the game is because everybody was talking about how fantastic it is. Uh, and over the course of like two months, I played through it and finished it. It's long as hell. And it is also like my favorite Final Fantasy story I've ever played. Uh, a lot of that is just building off of the fact that like the characters in it are the same like characters that you've been working with since for some of them, like since the original game. And so you are so invested in those characters that when things happen to them in this storyline, it creates an investment that like, Obviously, no MMO is. I played WoW for forever. I didn't give a shit about any of the characters or story or anything. So it's like stronger than any MMO, but also like because I have been playing this game for a while and have known these characters and seen stories with these characters for so long, like it hit me harder than any Final Fantasy game had uh, before. It's just, it is uh, miraculous. I don't know if it's worth the investment to play everything before it to get to it, although most of the stuff before it is also really, really good. But Shadowbringers is like, it's legitimately. I was like cracking up laughing while playing it. I got a little bit teary-eyed at one point. Like, and it's an MMORPG. Like I the fact that it's capable of doing that at all is kind of fucking wild to me. I have two games that I've been playing. One that gets a lot of love and the other one that's totally forgotten by I think everybody in the planet. Forza Horizon 4, which is my one of my go-to games when I don't want to think about much stuff if i just want to zip around a really pretty uh chunk of the world and a really fast car that has an anime livery uh on top of it it is a hell of a lot of fun and the other one which fulfills somewhat of the same need is steep y'all are still playing steep right oh man (laughs) oh my god steep is so good i steep i i need to go back and put it on my game of the decade list i adore this game and it breaks my heart that truly nobody plays it and i know have they renamed it, it chris plants steep yet at this point because if you're the only human playing it it should be they technically keep yours. making updates to it there is new content for this game it's like in season 13 or whatever um i don't I know heard that name for three years i have to imagine this is like they're like intern program where they can like train like they have maybe some really experienced people who train up people in a safe space where they don't have to worry about anybody ever seeing the results of their creations i don't know what ubisoft's logic this might just be beyond good and evil too like maybe an update (laughs) (laughs) but if y'all i i there were some issues with steep at launch to say the least a lot of those have been fixed and if you ever find it a, a good sale I, I seriously recommend checking it out. If you're the type of person who just loves a game where you get to go down a really giant hill really, really fast, 
it it, it will do the trick. I'm playing Remnant from the Ashes. It's kind of a Soulsy. Uh, Is it good? Should I hop in? We talked about what? playing that together, uh, but I haven't hopped into it yet. Are you? Yeah, hop you, into it because it sucks to play it by yourself. <laughs> oh, okay, because uh, you die and you re you you know you gotta respawn. But if you're playing with other people, they can bring it back to life. Okay, it does not seem to be designed for one player. It's kind of neat, but I wouldn't say I'm exactly getting it. I've only played it for like an hour or so, but it's it's kind of cool. Uh, it's got um. It folds gunplay in, in a more meaningful way than those games, uh, those those other from games that I mentioned have done previously. Even Bloodborne, I feel like those are sort of like an afterthought, not necessarily handling like weapons, uh, like firearms. It's a parrying tool more than yeah, right, exactly. In, in um, but it's kind of neat. If you're listening to us now, I'm assuming you're doing it on Spotify. But if not, uh, if, if you're not following us there yet, uh, please. Do that and uh, do us a favor and, you know, tell your friends that the besties are back. If they like video games, they can uh, check the show out or you can tweet about it at the besties pod and uh, uh, share the show that way. Um, there's a link. If you type in besties dot fan, uh, it'll auto generate a link to the show with a little clip and everything. So that's the best way of sharing it around besties dot fan next week. Secret. We've got a secret game. We can't Secret talk game. about just it's yet. It's Tokyo Mirage Sessions hashtag <laughs> oh, no, FE Encore. Um, we will let y'all know what it is. You should follow us at the Besties Pod, um, and that will be the first place that we talk about what this game is, uh, and we'll post some questions for y'all there when we have it. That is going to do it for us for this episode. So for my compatriots here, my name is Justin McElroy. Thank you for listening to the Besties, and be sure to join us again next week the besties because shouldn't the world's best friends pick the world's best games the besties is a spotify original podcast in association with vox media the show is edited by Jelani Carter. And our theme song is by Ian Dorsch. Besties! Besties.